Hello, all of you wonderful people out there. My name is Will, and welcome to Black and White Reviews. I hope everybody's doing great out there right now. There'll be some form of timestamp below to let you know exactly when the episode begins, just in case there are people out there who don't want to listen to my diatribe at the beginning of this thing. If you're a regular listener of ours, you'll notice that the title of this is deviating from the norm quite a bit. And if you're new, welcome, come on in, get comfortable, and I love you. Um little bit of backstory, my buddy Lee and I, we started this podcast so that we could talk about movies and television shows and things of that nature. He and I are currently in the middle of the second season of The Mandalorian. I think the show is excellent. He loves it way more than I do. He's super excited about it, but it's all in all, I think it's a really great show that's going on right now. We also released our discussion about The New Mutants that was released earlier this year. Eh, that's a different story. Um, so if you're new and you have any interest in either one of those things, please go listen to them. It would help out a lot. And if not, that's cool as well. Uh, in addition to all that, Lee and I had a talk a little while ago, and we decided that if we wanted to do things independently from one another, that would be cool. Simply for the reason that there are things we each want to do that doesn't interest the other all that much. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So all that being said and out of the way, let's just get into this. So one other thing before the episode actually gets started, I went back and I listened to what I have recorded and I noticed that in some situations my voice is a little bit choppy as I'm, you know, trying to search for some words. Um, nothing about the editing, it's just, you know, my cadence. Um, I apologize for that if it bothers anybody. I promise that I'm going to try to get better. I am new to this, so please be patient. That's it. Um, enjoy the episode. little bit upfront about what I want this show to be. I'm going to go ahead and assume that if you're listening to this, you're a pro wrestling fan. I'm also going to assume that you're like me and you're somewhat of a smark if you're searching out for wrestling podcasts on the internet. Uh, if you don't know what a smark is, this probably isn't going to be the show for you because we're going to do a whole lot of, you know, peeking behind the curtain here. Before I fully get started with what I want to talk about, um, well wishes to the friends, family, and former co-workers of the legendary Pat Patterson. I want to do something that goes into his career with a lot more detail. Um, for that, I would have to do some research, so I'm not going to do that here. I, I, if I'm going to talk about Pat, I want to do it justice. Just a couple of quick things I will say about him, though. The man was a trailblazer in, in more ways than one. He was an absolute genius when it came to bookings and finishes. He's the, the, the mind behind the Royal Rumble. He's had some legendary matches in his career. And just and, and from what I gather from everything that I've read about the man, just an all-around great guy. So rest in peace to Mr. Pat Patterson. It was a big week in the world of pro wrestling. That's why I'm doing this right now. Uh, December 2nd, 2020, AEW's Dynamite. In my opinion, this is going to be one of those shows that will be remembered within the wrestling community for a very long time. It also, in my opinion, I'm going to say that a lot in my opinion. My opinion doesn't mean anything. You don't have to take anything I say at face value. But what happened on that show on Wednesday night, it absolutely turned the page. And I, I believe that this is going to be the beginning of a new era. 
I'm not going to go over the whole show. I'm not going to talk about the majority of the matches that took place. I'm just going to focus on, you know, the key events and talk about them. I'm going to start at the beginning with the Battle Royal. And normally when you watch a Battle Royal on television or a Battle Royal on pay-per-view, it's mindless, right? There's very little rhyme or reason as to what you're seeing, and it's just an excuse to get a bunch of people in the ring who can't fit on the rest of the card. And that's fine. Um, That's usually what the Battle Royal's for. Let's give these guys some screen time. This Battle Royal was a little bit different because there were multiple storylines woven in and out of this thing, kind of like a Royal Rumble, the way that you have certain guys who were positioned to be in the Royal Rumble at certain times so that they can advance their storylines. Everything going on with Matt Hardy and his heel turn right now, I think, is being booked brilliantly. Miro was finally booked to look like the beast that he that he is. Now, the Hangman Page, Dark Order thing, I could really do without. It's, to me, that ship has sailed. And also, this might just be me, and I might be looking a little bit too deeply into it. I get the feeling like they really don't know what they want to do with Hangman Adam Page yet. It's almost like they were waiting for so long to get fans back into buildings before they advanced whatever storyline they were doing with him, and it just never happened, and now he's kind of fallen by the wayside, especially after tonight. After tonight, there are a lot of things that are just an afterthought. I like how MJF is cowering in the corner with Sammy Guevara and Wardlow is just kind of protecting them. That's that's brilliant. I have no problems there. MJF, he's this is a guy who's an absolute genius. You know, and I'm going to echo I'm going to echo everything that's been said about him. He's going to be a massive deal in the future. He's he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And he's only 23 years old. There's nowhere for his career to go except for up, barring any unfortunate events that happen to him. Now, is he the best in-ring worker? No, far, far from it. But as a promo, it's going to take him to, to, to places that are very difficult to get to in the world of pro wrestling. And again, the kid is only 23 years old, or maybe he's 24 at this point. The only guy that I can equate him to is probably The Rock. Back, you know, circa 2000, 2001, you know, height heel rock. You know, that's where I put MJF at this point. And that might be just me. That might be blasphemy to some other people out there. I really don't care, though. So after the Battle Royal, there's not a whole lot that happens on the show until we get to the first big moment. The debut of Sting. I'm not going to go into the match. I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that. What I will say about the match, though. So Sting makes his debut. He walks out. Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone is going nuts. I was so happy for Schiavone. He sounded elated. He sounded so happy in this moment. I don't know if they smartened him up before Sting, you know, signed a contract or made his debut. It didn't sound like Tony Schiavone really knew what was going on in that moment. 
and if he did, even more credit to him because I was completely surprised. And during that entire time, Shivani was really selling it. Jim Ross was also on point going into, you know, a little bit of history, talking about his final match on Nitro with Ric Flair on March 26, 2001. That was very well executed. The way that he gets into the ring and stares... Before he gets into the ring, though, let me let me just say... So, Cage and Hobbs are two of the biggest dudes on the roster right now, and they're running away from a 61-year-old man with a baseball bat. Not knocking on Sting, not knocking on the way that this thing was booked, but really, two giant men running away from a 61-year-old man with a baseball bat. Just saying. So, Team Taz runs away for dear life, and Sting gets in the ring, and he just starts walking around staring everybody down. He stares it on for a couple of seconds, and there's a lot of history there. A lot of history there between the two of these men. You're going all the way back to WCW in the early to mid-90s with the Horsemen. One of my favorite matches of all time, Russell Ward 92. It's a War Games match. The Dangerous Alliance and the Sting Squadron. Just, that was epic. I know a lot of people probably won't like it, but I liked it. And as a matter of fact, I think Dustin was in that match on the Sting Squadron. I think he was there. I might be mistaken, though. He walks over to Dustin for a moment when he's done staring down Arn. And then he walks over to Cody and takes a knee right next to him. And the storytelling that's going on here on the part of JR is just a story that growing up, aside from Dusty, Cody's favorite wrestler was Sting. That must have been a moment for him. Then he walks over to Darby Allen. And here is where I'm going to pause and talk for a second. He walks over to Darby Allen, and the way that Sting looks at him was so ominous. Looks on one side of his face, it's painted. Looks on the other side of his face, it's naked, and then backs up. This is what I think Sting should be used for, for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, I think Darby would benefit from having kind of a mentor behind him a little bit. This kid is super talented. The problem with him is he takes really dangerous bumps on a regular basis, if he learns how to just calm down and relax, he's going to have a nice, lengthy career. He keeps going the way that he's going now. He's going to hurt himself before he's 35. I just, I, and that's not something that I really want to see happen. There is no reason in the world that this kid should be zipping himself up in a body bag and then taking a big bump onto thumbtacks or thumbtacks in there with him. And also, he's doing coffin drops onto the apron and onto, you know, the concrete and just... Something is going to go wrong here. And I think I think somebody who's been around as long as Sting can, you know, work with this kid and say, listen, psychology, and teach him something. That's the first reason. The second reason is Sting, I think, would do good as that. I don't see Sting as a manager. I don't see Sting having, you know, a kind of crew around him like that. That's never really been where Sting was strong. He's always been strong as a loner. He's always been strong as that shadow and that enigma, you know, especially Surfer Sting, different story. Not my favorite iteration of Sting, but I got it. It's after that, the Crow gimmick. And then I know that a lot of people are very fond of Joker Sting and TNA. He's not that the manager type, you know what I mean? He's not like a Taz 
or a Tully or Arn or or Jake. That's that's not what I see him doing. Give him one guy, marry the two of them, and just let's see what comes up. Just try it. Let's just see what happens. Also, it's a good way to smoke and mirrors what Sting can't do. You know, if you put him in some tag team matches or if he gets physical on behalf of Darby in certain situations, that's a great way to utilize him. I don't want to see him taking, excuse me, I don't want to see Sting taking huge bumps. That's the last thing I want to see. Again, he's 61 years old and I'm not knocking on Sting, but look at him. His hairline is running away from him for dear life. Uh, I know he's hurt. I know he has spinal problems, the same problems that Edge had. I know that there was surgery. I know he said that he can work a couple of matches, but what are they really going to be? He's not going to be bumping all over the place. It's it's just not, it's not in the cards. And before anybody wants to get upset at that statement, I want you to take a second and think about The Undertaker and for how many years he stuck around and stayed in the ring and how many poor matches he had toward the end of his career. Do you really want to see that happen again? Be honest. Do you really want to see that happen to Sting? Because if he starts getting in the ring and he becomes a regular, that's exactly what it's going to turn into. Furthermore, he does not belong anywhere near the title picture. He does not need to be pinning anybody revolving around that main event scene. That includes MJF and Hangman Adam Page. He doesn't need to be doing any of that. If he is going to work matches... If he is going to do a program here and there, it should be against a Jericho or even Cody. I think Cody would be over the moon to get into a ring with Sting and even put him over. It's not going to hurt Cody's career at all. And if I were a betting man, I would bet right now that Jericho is lobbying to get that match. That's, I mean, what else is there for Jericho to really do with his career? The inner circle is on its way to breaking up or splintering off or whatever it is. He's going to have something to do. I know that Jericho is getting ready to go into a studio and record a Fozzie album. I think I heard that somewhere. I'm not 100% sure. And, you know, eventually he's going to need some time off. Eventually he's going to want to go on tour. There, there's just something there for him to do once he gets back. And, and just imagine, just imagine this for a second. You kind of have a built-in storyline with Jericho. I mean, if you're harping on, you know, the old WCW days, you can bring that up again. You can have Jericho come out all pissed off one day and bitter about how his career first got started in WCW and guys like Hogan and Sting who were over the hill back in those days, they were hogging the spotlight for the younger guys and Jericho can still be pretty upset about that. You can do something like that and I think that would work. That would be amazing. You can do something small with him and Matt Hardy. I'm not fully on board with that one. Neither one of those guys can move all that well, but it would be interesting to see something like that. I don't know if they've worked together before. If they did, it would have been in TNA. And like I said earlier, I wasn't a big TNA fan. So there's that. But I think the match is Cody. I think that's the first thing that you do. I think that's the first program that you put Sting in is with Cody. Because eventually, Cody is going to turn heel. There's already been hints of it sprinkled throughout, you know, his run in AEW so far. So that could definitely be a possibility. Maybe, and I'm fantasy booking now, but maybe, maybe Sting pulls Cody aside. Maybe Sting tries to explain to Cody, listen to me, a horseman always turns on a Rhodes. 
And Cody's not going to want to hear any of this. And it turns into a program. Just a thought. Just a thought. And you can go a couple of different places with that one. So I am excited. It's a big, big deal. And the wrestling world is excited. I mean, you look on social media and this thing was trending until 3 o'clock in the morning. You go to AEW's YouTube page. And at the time that I'm recording this video, that segment, Sting's debut segment, has 1.8 million views. It's, I think it's the highest view count on that channel right now. So it's definitely a shift. It's definitely a total shift in that company. Unfortunately, everything else that happened on the show feels somewhat of an afterthought. There was a lot crammed into this episode. Personally, I think that it should have been spaced out a little bit. Sting's debut should have been apart from what took place at the end of this episode. That's just me. That's just me. Um, but I get, I get the mentality of it. You wanted to book this episode as if it were a pay-per-view, and it absolutely felt like it was a pay-per-view event with everything that went on. Here's one more fantasy thing that I thought about. It's never going to happen. I don't want this to happen. I'm just putting it out there because I know how wrestling fans are. Eventually, somebody is going to bring this up. Mark Calloway is not going to sign with AEW. It's never going to happen. Just because he retired and he's going away and he's sailing off into the sunset doesn't mean that he's going to jump on board with another company. So let's tailor, let's tailor those expectations. I know that they're going to happen eventually. The rumors are going to go rampant. Eventually, one of these big channels out there is going to say something about that. Well, maybe this could happen. Oh, Mark was seen here. I wonder what's going on. Mark my words. That's going to be a topic of conversation. Not going to happen. Absolutely not going to happen. The man is a WWE Vince McMahon loyalist. He's not going anywhere. That ship has sailed. I'm glad that ship has sailed. In my opinion, that ship sailed 20 years ago. 20 years ago when you had an opportunity to book that match and it would have been somewhat decent and it didn't happen after that. No, I, I didn't want to see it after then. So that's really all I have to say about Sting. It's super exciting. It, it's, it turns the page in, in the history books. And we're going to be in for a really wild ride with this one. So then we get to the main event at the end of the night. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW Championship. I'm going to say something that's going to get me a lot of hate. And I really don't care. Kenny Omega is overrated. In my opinion. He is very overrated. He's good in the ring. He is good in the ring. He is a good wrestler. But the greatest in the world right now, he all of the accolades and the praise that this man gets, it's ridiculous. The only reason why he gets all of them is because of his run with Okada. Now, in my opinion, all of those matches needs to be credited to Okada. Go back and watch them over again. Okada was working those matches like a king. That's just me. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something about Kenny. You know, speaking of that, I'll, I'll say this here. I'm not 100% on board with everything that comes out of Jim Cornette's mouth about AEW, but I do understand where he's coming from. Com completely. And if you if you've been paying attention to dynamite over the course of the past year that they've been on television they have stifled the comedy acts a lot 
you you really don't see a whole lot of that going on anymore and i for one am happy about that when it was going on it was just it was yanking me out of the storyline and i didn't really enjoy it all that much so just keep that in mind when i say this next thing orange cassidy is the exception to that though because orange cassidy is still putting his hands in his pockets orange cassidy is still throwing the fake kicks orange cassidy is still the sloth when he was an indie star it was awesome when he was working the indies and you would watch his matches on youtube they were amazing unfortunately you have more time to work on the indies than you do on national television on the indies he would have these 25 you know half hour 35 minute matches where you would be able to tell the story of the comedy wrestler getting his ass handed to him and then making a comeback and turning everything on and it would get the crowd on fire. You can't do that on TV. You got, what, 10, 15 minutes? That's not enough time to tell that story. That, if you are going to do the pocket gimmick, save it for a pay-per-view where you have enough time to do it. Where was I? I'm going off on tangents. and So we're at the end of the show. And you have Moxley Omega. And it was an okay match. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It's by no means five stars. But they're doing a lot on commentary to build. And every every single one of us, anybody listening to this right now, every single one of us should have seen this coming. The way that this thing ended, we should have all seen it coming, especially Don Callis. Like, Don Callis being at, what was it, full gear for Kenny's match with Hangman Adam Page? We should have seen this then. No, scratch that. When they lost the tag team titles and Kenny took off, right? Remember that Kenny took off and got into an SUV and he's telling the young bucks, you either come with me now or you don't or not at all. You come with me. Are you coming with me? You... That's how long this thing has been being booked. This is this is a masterclass in long term storytelling. This is brilliant. So on commentary, they're doing a whole lot of talking about the gentleman's agreement. And Moxley gets the chairs. Oh, what happened to the gentleman's agreement? But they just sit down and start slugging at each other. Let me back up a little bit. If you notice something else that I picked up on, if you notice, before almost every single title defense, Kenny, title defense Moxley has had, he's cut a promo and told the audience exactly what he's going to do. And then he goes out to the ring, and he does it. This time, he didn't do that. He didn't talk about what he was going to do. Now, I might not be the biggest fan of John Moxley in the ring, but the man is a brilliant promo. That's the selling point. And, you know, I'm not a, jo- I'm not a Moxley hater. I think the Moxley character and everything that he's doing now is a hell of a lot better than Dean Ambrose. Sorry. So there's this paradigm shift on the outside of the ring. And it's into the heaters that are, you know, around around the ring. I don't really know why there are heaters around the ring. I mean, I think the temperature down there on, on the night that this happened was, what, in the 50s or the 40s at, at the worst? I look at things like that and I roll my eyes. I live in New England. So, so people who live, you know, in the southern part of the country, you don't know anything about the cold. So just, you know, grow up a little bit. Come on. So the referee calls for the doctor... And Moxley's having none of this. He pulls all of the officials away, grabs Kenny, throws him back into the ring. Don Callis is really upset, tries to grab a mic. He's hurt, he's hurt, he's hurt. 
Moxley goes over to Don Callis. Don Callis takes a bump, and somehow the mic ended up in the ring. You don't see Don Callis throw the mic. I've gone back and looked at it a bunch of times. It's not clear where this came from or how that mic got in the ring, but that's besides the point. The mic ends up in the ring, and Omega picks it up and cracks Moxley in the face with it. Now, maybe I'm a little old school. Maybe I'm just part of that generation that throws caution to the wind. Or maybe I'm just irresponsible. But when you see a guy in the ring and he gets bloodied and then the ref has to take his time and put on the gloves, eh. I know, they have to be health conscious. They have to be careful around that kind of thing. I get it. It's just it's just one of those things that that's one change in pro wrestling that I really didn't like. You go back to over a year ago at Double or Nothing and that Dustin Cody bloodbath, which was amazing. It was it, That was an awesome 80s-style pro wrestling match. Earl didn't put on no gloves, and Earl has been around for decades. Earl was having a hard time standing in some situations. And this guy, as old as he was when that match happened, I don't know exactly how old he was. I'm going to assume he was. he's in his 70s somewhere. He ain't putting on no gloves. Earl's old school. He ain't wearing no gloves. He doesn't care. That's 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 what that yes. That's just a small thing. That's just a small thing, and it doesn't matter. That's just me in my demented mind. So Moxley's bloodied, and Kenny V trigger after V trigger. The V trigger looks amazing. I'm one of those people. Maybe it's just me. I'm one of those people that thinks the V trigger should be Kenny's finish. I think he should find a way to execute that on a part of the body that's just, you're out cold. Kind of like the Judas effect. I don't have a problem with the Judas effect either. I think the the, the V-trigger should be Kenny's finish, because I hate the one-winged angel. It's one of those moves that takes way too long to set up, and you can tell that the opponent is cooperating a little bit too much. For my liking, it's way too long. I think a finish should be quick. It hits you out of nowhere, and you're done. I'm not just harping on this. I'll say the same thing about older finishes. You know, uh, Road Warriors are one of my favorite tag teams of all time. Doomsday Device, not so much. Again, because it took way too long to set up and way too long to execute. Uh, I'll say the same thing about the heart attack. Way too long to set up. You gotta wait for Brett to climb the ropes? No, come on, get out of here. But anyways, Kenny hits the one-winged angel, and he is the new AEW champion which at this point, in my opinion, is an afterthought because this night we also saw the debut of Sting. The debut of Sting against Kenny Omega becoming the AEW champion. The two don't compare. There's a small celebration in the ring and then Don Callis and Kenny Omega run. Jim Ross, they're running like scalded dogs, which, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. They're running through the back. Tony Khan was trying to look like he was yelling at them, but he couldn't control the smile on his face. It looked ridiculous, but whatever. He's not an on-screen talent. He's he's not involved in any storylines. I can deal with that, whatever. But then he's running through the back, and everybody's upset. Everybody's screaming at him, and then they run, and they get into the SUV. The same SUV where, back when they lost the tag team titles, him and Hangman, Kenny got into. You coming with me, Bucks? Come on, you coming with me? All right, fine, whatever, stay here. That's how long this has been going on, and it's brilliant. And then we get the line. First of all, we get the line because Marvez with a microphone just comes out of nowhere. I love how on these wrestling shows, anytime somebody's running away, 
there just happens to be somebody with a microphone that comes out of some nook and cranny of a building. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty amusing. And we get the line. We're going to explain everything to you. Impact Tuesday night on Access TV. Now, it's an absolute shame that I missed a lot of TNA when they were at their height. With the Samoa Joes and the AJ Styles, I didn't experience any of that. And now, here, in 2020, I have to watch Impact to find out exactly what Kenny is going to say. I have to watch Impact to find out what kind of working relationship is going to go on here. Now, there are certain things that I expect to happen. Don Callis, shortly after this happened, tweeted out, AEW screwed AEW. Really? Really? Listen, and I'm going to go off on another little tangent here. I am sick. I am sick to death of the Montreal references. I don't even want to talk about it here on this show right now. And that's all I'm going to say. I am sick to death of Montreal. But anyways, I expect Kenny to give an explanation. I expect one of the first things to happen with whatever this partnership is, is for Anderson and Gallows to get involved. And I also expect there to be maybe, maybe, some type of cheap shot directed towards AJ Styles. You know, the other guy couldn't protect you. I will type deal. Something along those lines. I'll cringe when it happens. But I understand why it's going to happen. All in all, it's a super exciting time in the world of pro wrestling. And I'm I'm at the point right now where I'm more of a fan than I have been in quite some time. And that's really awesome. So I'm done really talking about Dynamite. I am now going to talk about what exactly this partnership means. My opinion of what this partnership means. So I'll start here. I am in no way, shape, or form in favor of the demise of WWE. Not even close. I don't want to see anybody there lose their jobs. I think earlier this year, when COVID was really wreaking havoc, we saw enough of that go on in that company. I don't agree with a lot of it on a moral level. I think it's disgusting what Vince has done not only to that company, but to the pro wrestling business. But I'm still not in favor of the company's demise. I think it's way past time that Vince retired. I know that's wishful thinking. It's never going to happen. And even if it does happen, you're just going to get somebody else who's going to take over, who's going to, you know, play that game for the company's investors. That's what that company is about right now. I do, however, believe that WWE is in dire need of some humbling. And right now, there's a perfect opportunity for that to happen. With multiple promotions around the world looking like there's going to be some type of working relationship, some handshakes, some partnerships. If you go back and you listen to the commentary during the Kenny Omega match... Okada's name was mentioned a handful of times. I am sure that is by design. Now I know this will, they, won't, they has been going on for quite some time, but I believe that it's still in the cards. And eventually we're going to get to a point where something is going to happen. 
AEW is now getting into bed with Impact Wrestling. That's going to increase numbers for both Impact and AEW. And the whole point of everything is to bring eyes to your product. I really don't know what's going on with Ring of Honor, but before the whole Marty Scurll debacle, there were some rumblings over there. And let's not forget about the NWA and Thunder Rosa being showcased weekly on Dynamite. So there are dealings going on between these companies with the exception of WWE. I believe that there is an environment being created where people who are working inside WWE are going to have other options and other places to go. I believe that the census outside of WWE is something like there should be more than one place where people can go and get that six or seven figure deal. WWE has been the be all end all in the world of pro wrestling for way too long. And there absolutely should be other options. And if there are other options, you're going to see some business decisions inside WWE drastically change. And that's a good thing. That's an absolute good thing. There is no reason, no reason that talent inside WWE needs to be ripped off of Twitch, ripped off of Cameo, ripped off of YouTube, or whatever other, you know, money-making social media platforms that they're on, just so the WWE can turn around and put them back on them at a reduced profit. That's disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting especially when you take the whole independent contractor thing into consideration things in that company need to change and furthermore i will say that the rest of the wrestling world i think it's time that they stood up they have a responsibility to help that situation it is something that has been needed to be remedied for years decades even Now, full transparency, I haven't been able to enjoy much of what WWE has been putting out for quite some time. I keep my ear to the ground for certain things, but for the most part, I think their storytelling is trash. I think the way that they conduct their business is disgusting. I want to be able to say I don't support them at all, but I am a subscriber to the network. I think $10 a month and you get that massive library that's not just WWE, it's well worth it. And I grew up with that company. I have a lot of fond memories. I don't want to see it go away. But I also, you know, there's a big part of me that doesn't want to support anything that's going on over there. Now, before anybody out there wants to try to call me a WWE hater, you know, go for it, whatever. If you want to call me an AEW fanboy, yeah, that's fine. I really don't care. I know how I feel, so your opinion of me really doesn't matter all that much. So in the coming weeks and and in the coming months, things are going to get very interesting. These partnerships, I hope, flourish. I hope we get to see a lot of interesting storylines. I hope we get to see a lot of interesting matches. There is a lot of talent on the Impact roster that I would love to see crossover to have some AEW matches, whether that's on Impact TV or whether that's on AEW television. It really doesn't matter as long as we get them. One big one that I would love to see, even though I'm not the biggest fan of him in the ring, I would love to see what, you know, a Sammy Callahan and uh, John Moxley would be able to put together. I think that would be awesome. 
the Bucks and the Motor City Machine Guns is another one that would be really cool. Another small thing that I want to see happen that's away from the impact thing is something that I don't see a whole lot of people talking about. So if there is this relationship between AEW and the NWA, why not do something with Nick Aldis? He's an underrated talent. He can absolutely get into the ring and go. He's a master at storytelling inside of the ring. I would like to see a little bit more of that. That would be really cool. That's really all I have to say. I think I've rambled for long enough. Um, If you stuck with me throughout this whole thing, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Even if you disagree with what I have to say, still, thank you anyway for listening. Um, Again, all of these, they're just my opinions. They really don't mean anything. Nobody's opinion means anything. You don't have to take it that seriously. We're just here to have fun. And I think we're at a point right now where a page is going to be turned in pro wrestling. And it's just, it's really cool to talk about right now. I can't remember the last time things were this exciting. You know, you can even go back to the mid-90s. When ECW and WWF, they were kind of working together. That wasn't that, that wasn't this. This is different. This feels different, and it feels like a tide is about to shift. I, for one, am welcoming it. Um, I would like to know everybody else's thoughts. So feel free to get in touch. All the contact information is going to be down below in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. Um, Maybe I'm going to do another one of these in the future. Who knows? Who knows where this thing is going to go? That's it. Take care of yourself and one another, and I'll see everybody around. Bye.